It's time to roll up those joints, pack those bowls, and fire up those nails. Because you're listening to Blazin' with Bobby Black on Cannabis Radio. What's up, everybody, and welcome to another edition of Blazin'. As always, I am your host, Bobby Black. You know, uh, I hope you guys all had a great week. I, I certainly did. Um, got to do some cool stuff uh, like uh, visit a farm, um, uh, which you'll be hearing about more later in the show. Um, I got to interview uh, an interesting guy. Um, you know, uh, as, the, as the cannabis industry continues to expand and legal states like California begin to issue more cultivation licenses, uh, both for large and small scale, the demand for both quality cannabis and the facilities needed to grow it will continue to rise. Now, decreased availability and higher cost of the spaces needed, such as warehouses and gro- greenhouses, uh, is, is, is a problem, but the man I'm going to be interviewing later today believes he has the solution in the form of eco-friendly plug-and-play grow trailers that can be delivered and installed on just about any property. Pretty interesting concept that we'll be diving into later today, um, but before that, we need to do our usual quick recap of the week's headiest headlines. This is The Burndown. Burning through the smoke and mirrors of the news headlines. This is the burndown. All right, and we begin the burndown this week here in California, where the state assembly passed a bunch of new marijuana laws uh, and sent it over to the state senate to debate uh, a number of provisions and concerns. Uh, Assembly Bill 64 amends and adds provisions to the Medical Cannabis Regulation Safety Act, also known as MRXA, uh, and the Adult Use of Marijuana Act, also known as ALMA, relating to non-for-profit entities, delivery, uh, state and local licenses, trademarks, uh, offenses for being under the influence, uh, as well as grant money distributions, etc., etc., uh, California normal advocates uh, came to the Capitol on June 6th to address some of their concerns with the legislation, such as the bill's unfair definition of what's considered an, quote, open container. The bill currently requires that cannabis be stored in the trunk of a vehicle or in the glove box with the manufacturer's seal intact. However, since many people grow their own medicine, there would be no such manufacturer seal. This is a needless encumbrance, said Chris uh, Conrad of Friends of Prop 64. Open container should refer to cannabis that's in plain sight and exposed, such as where there is a joint in the ashtray or an open bag of cannabis in a car's console that's within easy reach of the driver. If the officer doesn't see it, it's not an open container, he said. Uh, Since Prop 64 was a voter initiative, the Senate will require a supermajority to modify it. Meanwhile, within the city of Los Angeles, uh, L.A. uh, unveiled a new set of proposed regulations last Thursday on how and where marijuana businesses can operate within the city limits, which is the latest step towards reworking its rules after Californians voted to legalize recreational pot. Uh, The rules would impose restrictions on where pot shops that sell marijuana to customers on site can operate, limiting them to mostly commercial and industrial zones and barring them from opening within 800 feet of one another. Marijuana retailers would also be prohibited from operating within 800 feet of schools, public libraries, parks, and drug and alcohol treatment facilities. Uh, Other kinds of uh, marijuana businesses, including indoor cultivation facilities, would be restricted to industrial zones. 
City officials also released a set of proposed regulations on application requirements and operating rules for cannabis businesses. Those draft rules prohibit marijuana or alcohol from being consumed on site, require security and video surveillance, and mandate that businesses allow inspections and audits, among many other requirements. They would also have to provide detailed information about their ownership, loans, and investors, and impose hiring and labor requirements. The draft regulations will be available for public review and comment for 60 days before officials take any action. Now, from the West Coast to the East Coast, back to my old home state of New York, where lawmakers are set to announce a renewed push to legalize cannabis in New York, with state legislators and public policy advocates planning to unveil an adult-use bill this coming week. Uh, State Senator Liz Kruger and Representative Crystal Peoples-Stokes, along with advocates organized by the Drug Policy Alliance will meet in Albany on Monday to announce the reintroduction of the Marijuana Regulation and Taxation Act. This legislation would establish a legal market for adult-use cannabis in the state with marijuana taxed and regulated in a fashion similar to how alcohol is regulated. They'll also announce the launch of a campaign called Start Smart New York, and SMART is an acronym for Sensible Marijuana Access Through Regulated Trade. Uh, And this uh, organization is dedicated to ending cannabis prohibition in the state. Uh, According to the Start Smart campaign, tax revenues for the state will be considerable as New Yorkers already spend an estimated $3 billion per year on cannabis. In New York City alone, a 2013 estimate from the city's controller estimated potential tax revenue at more than $400 million. Judging from states that have already been legalized, actual revenue could be even higher than projected. The MRTA bill also includes measures aimed at promoting racial equality in in small businesses. Uh, Proposed micro-licenses would be similar to those granted to New York's craft and wine and beer industry, allowing small-scale production and sale plus delivery to reduce barriers uh, to entry for people who have limited access to capital or avenues of financing. In an effort to promote racial and economic fairness, the legislation would also establish a community grants reinvestment fund, which would fund projects like job training, economic initiatives, youth development programs, as well as allowing people with prior drug convictions to obtain licenses. Oh, that's interesting. Most states do not allow that. Uh, people with convictions such as fraud or tax evasion, however, would be explicitly barred from seeking licenses. That makes sense. Uh, And now it's over to Colorado, where in an ironic twist, money brought in from taxing legal marijuana is now going to be used to fund police crackdowns on illegal marijuana grows. Uh, A measure signed into law by Governor Hickenlooper sets aside nearly $6 million a year in Colorado marijuana tax revenue to reimburse police for investigating black market marijuana activity that authorities say has increased since the state legalized recreational marijuana. The fund is backed not only by police groups, but also by the state's legal marijuana industry, who complain that illegal operations undercut prices of the legally grown cannabis and give legalization a bad name. We don't want people to say they're trying to grow for medical purposes or licensed recreational use and instead shipping it out of state, said Governor Hickenlooper. The fund, which is the first of its kind in any legal state, is designated to specifically combat the black market and is particularly aimed at rural communities with limited police resources, where there may be no dispensaries, tax benefits from legalization, and where some illicit drug operators may be trying to exploit the state's cannabis law to produce marijuana for out-of-state sale. 
The cannabis industry acknowledges this criminal activity and insists it's doing all it can to prohibit legally grown cannabis from crossing state lines. Among other safeguards, Colorado law requires growers to get licenses and use a seed-to-sale tracking system that monitors cannabis plants from when they're grown all the way to finished product in retail outlets. Hickenlooper also signed a bill last Thursday limiting the number of marijuana plants that may be grown in homes to 12 Uh, Regardless of how many people live there, the current law allows for every adult in the home to possess six plants each. The new limit will take effect next year. Meanwhile, down in Florida, uh, legislation designed to implement the constitutional amendment allowing medical marijuana that was overwhelmingly approved by voters last November is now moving forward as the House and Senate versions of the bill make their way through committee during a special session last week. The new version of the bill includes a number of changes to licensing for growers and the number of dispensaries allowed. Ten new growers would be allowed by October, bringing the number of licensed growers in the state to 17. Each grower could operate up to 25 retail stores. Uh, and the number of stores and growers would increase as the number of patients increase. Citrus growers, whose business has been in decline in recent years, will receive preference for at least two of the 10 new licenses in the hopes that they can transition from growing oranges to cannabis. But critics argue that they aren't necessarily the most qualified people to grow cannabis. The bill still does not allow for smokable marijuana. Even though Democrats offered an amendment, it failed. And over to Nevada, where the state Senate reached a deal late last Sunday night that would set the state's cannabis tax rate at 10% for retail cannabis sales and 15% for growers. Since those are basically the rates that Governor Sandoval requested, he is expected to approve the measure, which would help the state address a nearly $290 million budget hole. Much of that tax revenue generated will be directed to public education, Over the next two years, cannabis revenue will largely fund a $20 million boost for the state's opportunity scholarships and provide $25 million to the University of Nevada, Las Vegas, contingent upon matching funds from private donors. Democratic State Senator Julia Ratti described the state's cannabis tax framework as a rational system that creates a difference in pricing between adult use and medical marijuana. Senate Majority Leader Democrat Aaron Ford also praised the agreement, saying, quote, with strong consumer protections in place, our recreational marijuana industry is poised to become a critically important source of revenue for Nevada. But hold your horses there, because there might be another setback in store for the recreational cannabis law in Nevada, because a group of about 13 alcohol distributors are demanding that they have exclusive rights to transport marijuana for the first 18 months of the industry. A district court judge in Carson City validated those concerns last week, blocking the state from issuing any recreational marijuana distribution licenses before the matter is resolved. Now, distribution licenses cost $15,000 under the temporary regulations uh, that go into effect, expected to debut on July 1st. When Nevada voters legalized recreational marijuana in November, the ballot question said that only licensed wholesale alcohol distributors could be licensed to transport retail pot for the first year and a half. The Department of Taxation, however, did a turnabout in March when it decided to open the application process up to medical marijuana businesses, claiming it had reached out to alcohol distributors last November but received, quote, insufficient interest. According to department officials, though some distributors expressed initial interest, none followed up to indicate that they had sorted out any potential issues relating to their federal liquor licenses or had a plan in the works to serve the market. 
Sam McMullen, an attorney for the alcohol distributors, alleges that the state officials lied about the lack of interest, saying that around three dozen of the nearly 70 alcohol distributors in the state had expressed interest, three of which already had license applications pending, but that the Department of Taxation had the applications withdrawn because their federal alcohol licenses could be compromised due to the fact that marijuana is still federally illegal. Marijuana industry leaders are unhappy about the decision, saying that opening up the application process to cannabis companies doesn't prevent the liquor distributors from applying. It only prevents them from establishing a monopoly. And finally, in the burndown this week, we head over the pond to France, where in a move intended to simplify the judicial procedure and free up police and court resources, France will be introducing a law by the end of this year that will end prison terms for cannabis use. Last year, 180,000 people were found to be in violation of drug laws, said government spokesperson Christopher Castaner. Uh, on average, these cases take up six hours of police time and the same amount of time for the presiding magistrate. He said, what is important today is to be effective and above all to free up time for a police so they can focus on more essential matters. And quote, currently offenders can face up to a year in jail plus a fine of 3,750 euros. Consuming cannabis will remain a criminal offense, however, under the new law, but will no longer carry a penalty of jail time. President Macron's predecessor, socialist Francois Hollande, had refused to consider decriminalization, which had become a source of friction within his own party. And despite vowing to reform laws on cannabis use in his election campaign platform, French President Emmanuel Macron is said to have no wish to reopen the decriminalization debate because, quote, consuming drugs remains serious and is a dangerous threat to health. According to the French Observatory for Drug Use and Addiction, around 17 million French citizens have taken cannabis at some point in their lives, and 700,000 use it daily. All right, and that's it for this week's burn down. But uh, don't go anywhere because after the break, we'll be back uh, to discuss grow trailers with my guest, Mr. Scott St. Louis. You're listening to Blazing with Bobby Black. Radio. This is Bobby Black, host of Blazin, here to talk to you about 420 Science. I've known Matt and Gary from 420 Science for over a decade. We've spent a lot of time together at the Cannabis Cups in Amsterdam, the Doobie Awards in their hometown of Austin. They were even at my wedding. And I've always admired their integrity and how they've built 420 Science from the ground up to become the most trusted online head shop. Visit 420science.com slash podcast for an exclusive deal on pipes and more from genuine people who put their customers first. That's 420science.com slash podcast. The smoke is rising, and the next crop of podcasts devoted to cannabis providers and enthusiasts are ready to be harvested. Welcome to the Cannabis Radio Network, founded by respected rainmakers who have been producing award-winning podcasts for over a decade. Industry headlines, business updates, medical reports, marketing, and e-commerce education rolled up perfectly for your consumption. Let's grow together. The Cannabis Radio Network. CannabisRadio.com. Ignite the conversation on some trending topics along the Cannabis Radio social media network. Join our crew of thousands on our Cannabis Radio page on Facebook or at Canna Radio, C-A-N-N-A Radio on Twitter. 
Plus, look for our Facebook and Google Plus pages for all of our original programs and connect with Dr. Dina, Kyle Cushman, Dr. Mitch Earlywine, Nurse Heather, Doc Rob, the host of Gondrepreneur, and more. Connect with the growing cannabis radio social crusade at Canna Radio on Twitter or search for Cannabis Radio on Facebook, Google Plus, and Instagram and grow with us. All right, and we're back here on Blazin'. Before we get into this week's interview with Scott St. Louis of Trailer Metal, uh, I just got to give you guys a little bit of a warning. The interview was recorded live on location at Scott's property. He gave me a tour of some of his grow facilities, so a few parts of it might be a bit difficult to hear. There were fans going and all that kind of stuff. Those of you who have been in grow rooms and greenhouses before know how that goes, but Hopefully you can hear everything okay, and you can still enjoy the interview. So without any further ado, here is my interview with Scott from Trailer Metal. What's up, guys? This is Bobby Black, uh, and welcome to another edition of Blazin' here on Cannabis Radio. Uh, I am here out in the uh, beautiful uh, Southern California countryside with uh, Scott from Trailer Metal. What's up, Scott? How are you? I'm doing all right. So welcome to my... uh farm here that uh, I bought to try to do sustainable living type of stuff and um, made some pretty cool discoveries along the way and I'll show you this is a, the first this is a geothermal greenhouse here it's actually four foot underground uh, wow. so it maintains uh, certain at- at- atmospheric temperatures at all times of the year so it never freezes it never gets too hot Right now, I've got it set up with an aquaponic setup that uh, is mainly food at the moment, but we're going to do uh, the legal limit 24 count plant uh, run towards the end of the summer uh, aquaponically to try to get the cleanest possible product that we can get. So, cool, let's check it out. This property is basically all about. Um, Taken with what's already here and utilizing it. It's kind of messy right now because we're still doing <laughs> construction. So we're actually four feet underground right now. It maintains levels of around 85 degrees uh, at all times. Here I've just given this experimental music. Uh, basil and onions and things that feed the family. These are about two weeks old and they were about this tall when they started. So we're getting some uh, amazing growth out of them. Sunflowers, because my real life sunflowers, so I'm kind of growing that down. Strawberries, bell peppers, they do really well in this environment. Uh, celery, these are all that we started from seed, from organic stuff that we bought. So, cool. Yeah, my wife likes sunflowers too, and we got most of the same stuff growing in our yeah. backyard. So, I'm even proving that you can do corn aquaponically, wow. which is kind of cool. So, I do use this, these are some cubes that I had left over that, uh, that I'm just using to do like a like a makeshift dual root 
where you have where I can add fertilizers to the top if I need to. And then I don't have to worry about it penetrating the lower fish level, which is kind of a good thing. Here I've got goldfish in here, tilapia back here, and then some uh, roamers that kind of roam around too. You can get up here and feed them. You can kind of check them out. These are the smaller goldfish that I just bought on the way from my tilapia to me. There's about 300 fish total. So explain a little about the aquaponics system, what the fish do and how it works. The fish uh, fertilize the water. The water is then pumped down through these grow beds, which are on a flood drain system. Uh, the, the plants clean the water. They take all of the uh, fertilizers out, uh, send it to the tank down at the end. The clean water will pump back to the it's a complete 360, and I'm able to save about 95% uh, water. So I'm wow. only using about 5% water that you would use in a typical soil grow type of environment. Uh, plus, I'm able to just grow directly from seed in the system as well, which is kind of good because it ensures that I can keep uh, my heirloom genetics alive and keep utilizing them over and over again. Awesome. I made the mistake when I first moved out here of leaving the fish tanks outside and I have anywhere to put them. And uh, I lost a lot of them because they actually snowed. So we'll head up and I'll show you uh, cool. what we're going to see next is quality so I'm able to get indoor quality cannabis at 80% less than what it would take in a traditional warehouse setting by utilizing the Sun and some different cooling features that aren't typically used but you'll see um, there's a, a lot of the plants in here are in various stages of growth um, do a proof of concept hmm. I've been doing it for about two years so you're gonna see that four weeks of veg time we can actually produce three foot tall plants that are very wide and ready to go directly into flower whether you're doing it in, in our environment or you do it in a warehouse environment so this is an interesting concept because when i first bought this property the bank wouldn't finance it because they said that this trailer was too old so they made me take out the kitchen and they made me take out the bathroom I was like, well, what can I do with it? You know, if I can't do anything with it, so I took off the roof, mm -hmm. I took down one of the walls, and I uh, mm -hmm. turned it into light diffusion technology mm -hmm. and created this. Yeah. We'll enter through the, the nutrients.
That's Chente. Hey, how's it going, man? How's it going? This is Bobby. So those plants right there are about 28 days old. Let me go over and take a look at them. You can see them. You can see it's nice and bright in here as well. So we're actually pulling um, between 50 and 60,000 lumens all the way through the canopy, which is really hard to get in a warehouse. Typically you'll get, you know, every inch you're gonna lose a certain amount of lumens. So by the time the light actually hits the plant, You've already lost, you know, 10,000 lumens, and we're not losing any at all, so. Have a look at these guys over here. So you can kind of get a look at it. This is 28 days growth. You really got a perspective to see how tall it is. I'm actually six foot three, so. Hmm. You can see we got good heads. Which is, a, you know, typical for, for an indoor grow. Able to pull all these top ones to the top of the canopy so that we can get good growth on our cannabis. But 28 days, I, I challenge you to try to get this in a warehouse. Typically this is two months. So we can actually do six runs a year consistently. Wow which is uh, adding a whole nother run to a growth cycle, which is a typical, uh, usually it's typically five in a warehouse environment. And um, one of these uh, trailers, and this is a, a trailer end product, this is the flagship model. So this isn't actually the, uh, the production line model. This is the one that we built, it has lower ceilings, a lot of the things aren't right, but it's what we use to try to perfect what we're going to bring to the market. So it's kind of cool. Go ahead and get some video. Prototype. Yeah, it's a prototype, exactly. We have an automated blackout system. So these clones are just planted yesterday. In about 28 days, they'll be about the same size as these guys. And all we're doing is utilizing the sun. We use absolutely no uh, supplemental light that, that will cause it to grow. Do use light to trick the plants. So these lights are on till about midnight. And since we have automated blackout, you can't see it, which is nice because a lot of people have their, their greenhouses and whatnot lit up. But ours are a completely self-contained model that you can't tell what it is from the street. They just so depending upon market, each one of these trailers can produce about one point two million. And the best part about it is that you know a lot of people who are in those hot springs or in different areas where they they have to wait two years before they can even get their their uh, rows up and running because they don't have the power, they don't have the infrastructure there to support what they're trying to accomplish. So we can actually have 60 trailers on a site in 60 or 30 days actually, where they're all set up. Within 60 days, you'll be planted and ready to go at 80% less power consumption than you would have in your traditional uh, warehouse type of environment. So it's just a different way of thinking of things, you know. So that's, you know, what, what my main thing to accomplish is I'm trying to aim on how to look eco-friendly and better of an environment. So when these plants go to runoff, all that runoff goes to the tank out front and I actually that water with fruit trees. 
So I'm actually using the nutrients twice. Hmm. And in some cases, three times, if they come back and they go somewhere else. So uh, if I utilize them to take them down there to do some top feeding, uh, never using fresh, I'm always using the runoff from these plants to do that. And what I've noticed as well is that I get hypergrowth. So the other thing you could do, um, you know, if, if you're a small farmer, you just want, you know, one trailer to supplement your family. You can also use that runoff to grow your own food. So you've got you've got double. So you've got you've got medicinal medicine, and you've also got you know organic organic food that you can serve your family. So it's a double win from the standpoint of you know, and, and obviously it all depends on the, the laws in your local area. But, um, we uh, we've been here for, for two years doing this started with about the middle part of the trailer and then I expanded out this side, expanded out that side. We also have a really big uh, four trailer farm in Wonder Valley that we're currently utilizing at the moment. Uh, our trailers are manufactured by the second largest manufacturer of mobile homes in the country. Uh, they can all be permitted uh, to your local county or local city grows or whatever and they're completely secure. So like a typical greenhouse um, is not secure. This is actually secure. It's a hard wall kind of technology that, that you see uh, from that standpoint. That makes sense? Yeah. So it's, it's exciting. I mean, it's, it's really hard to get that type of growth at, you know, 28 days. So, but there's no better light than the sun and the diffusion technology that we use. This covering is about six bucks of a linear foot. Uh, and what it does is it takes out all the bad UVs that you would get in a traditional greenhouse or traditional outdoor grow. It only allows the UVs through that the plants love. So it's just a different way of thinking about things. But, you know, with, with cannabis prices plummeting, we have to adapt. And if you still want to deal with top shelf, this is probably the model that you want to How much do your how much do your trailers uh, run for? Retail? The base the base model is around fifty plus delivery, a ten year guarantee. What you get with the fifty is you get you get all the cooling, you get the heating, you get the, the ventilation and flow through. So if you were you know in, in the realm where you only wanted to do three runs a year and you didn't really care about lights or anything along those lines or or the light or, or blacking out probably get three runs a year but if you wanted to go for the, the Mercedes-Benz, so to speak, of, of the models, it's a, they're 100K. If you get a completely automated blackout system, we partnered with Wadsworth Controls, we partnered with Champion Homes um, to bring this type of thing to the, thing, or to, to the market. So it'll be a 10-year guarantee. You can get all the light through. You can also get, if you wanted to run Novitas, during say November to uh, February, you can do that as well because the supply is 100 amp panel. And this is technically a 50 light girl. This room, uh, there's 24 tables in here. But with the new new design of the blackout that we have, you can actually get another two tables to do 26 That's about 100 plus delivery. But when you look at it, if you know what you're doing growing now, you're looking for a way to compete. Uh, you know, 1.2 million, 
Do you want to find somewhere a little quieter to yeah, yeah, finish yeah. chatting? Well, it's about that time of the show where we take a brief intermission for a word from our sponsor. But stay tuned because we'll be right back with more of Blazin'. You're listening to Blazin' with Bobby Black on Cannabis Radio. Want to grow your own weed but not sure where to get the seed? Go to bcbuddepot.com. For nearly 15 years, BC Bud Depot has been building one of the world's most comprehensive seed banks, offering over 50 strains of top quality cannabis to suit every grower's needs, including multiple award-winning strains like God Bud, The Perps, BC Blueberry, Girl Scout Cookies, and more. In fact, BC Bud Depot's genetics have won over 30 different cannabis awards over the past decade. So you know you're dealing with a recognized industry leader that will deliver you some of the most potent, flavorful flowers on the planet. They ship worldwide, offering fast, discreet delivery at reasonable prices. All online orders are processed within 48 hours and are packaged and mailed with the utmost stealth and safety in mind. And if for some reason your order gets lost, damaged, or confiscated, BC Bud Depot will resend it at no extra charge guaranteeing that every customer receives what they paid for. Whether you're looking for indica or sativa, indoor or outdoor, feminized or auto-flowering, BC Bud Depot has the seeds you need at a price you can handle. But don't take my word for it. Check out their extensive library of award-winning genetics for yourself at bcbuddepot.com and type in promo code BLAZIN420 at checkout to receive 10% off your order. BC Bud Depot home of cannabis champions since 2002. Please check your local, state, and national laws before ordering. The Cannabis World of Tomorrow converges for the first ever Southeast Cannabis Conference and Expo in Fort Lauderdale, Florida, June 9th through the 11th. Register right now at seccexpo.com. TV talk icon Montel Williams, NFL All-Stars Ricky Williams, Marvin Washington, and Kyle Turley lead some of our top-tier panels in industry information, athletics, real estate, technology, medical research, and more. Meet hundreds of vendors and thousands of entrepreneurs at the 2017 Southeast Cannabis Conference and Expo in Fort Lauderdale. Last-minute registration is open now at seccexpo.com. The next generation of vaporizers has arrived. Vuber vaporizers are blazing the way with unparalleled technology for oil, concentrate, or dry flower pens. Providing unsurpassed customer service and expert craftsmanship, Vuber vaporizers use cutting-edge technology, providing a power-packed, smoother vapor with a lifetime guarantee. Experience vaporizing the way it was meant to be, the Vuber way. Right, and we are back with Scott from Trailer Metal. What's up, Scott? How you doing? So, uh, tell us a little about uh, Trailer Metal, what it is, and uh, how it came about. So, Trailer Metal was a concept uh, that I had about uh, reusing um, uh, mobile homes 
for sustainable farming. Uh, the uh, the idea came to life when I when I bought this place, um, and the bank wouldn't allow me to. There was a mobile home on the property, and the, the banks wouldn't allow me to have anybody staying there or anything like that. So they asked me to rip out the the kitchens and the bathrooms. They're like, "Well, what am I going to do with this building now?" And I moved out here to do sustainable farming, so I turned it into a uh, greenhouse. Um, but it's not like your typical greenhouse. It's a, it's, it's framed in, and it's only using the uh, highest quality coverings that are available on the market. And uh, a friend of mine uh, had a warehouse in Huntington Beach, and he had a fire, and so he. Uh, was looking for a spot to bring his plants to and I said well why don't you just bring them out here and let's see what happens and and what did happen was amazing because we were actually able to uh, produce top shelf cannabis uh, at 80 percent less cost so in that idea uh, I started to think that maybe other people could utilize this as well and maybe other people would be would be into sustainable farming uh, growing Top shelf cannabis, clean cannabis, at eighty uh, percent less than what it would cost you to do it in a traditional uh, warehouse setting. So <clears throat> through that, we did a, a, a we test here, and then we did a test farm in uh, uh, the Twenty Nine Palms area, and we were able to produce uh, top shelf quality medicinal cannabis at eighty percent less pricing, but also you know reach the three to five per table, which is kind of the industry standard and what everybody's kind of looking for without utilizing supplemental lights from uh, February through November. So in that aspect, we we're ahead of the game. So when the prices dropped, we were prepared and we could still uh, continue to be able to do it in profit. Um, so from that standpoint, we, we took it to a major uh, mobile home manufacturer, asked them if they were interested in, in producing these for us. They agreed to it. We partnered up with Wadsworth Controls. Um, to provide the best quality uh, infrastructure within the uh, the uh, trailers, uh, we can produce about two trailers a day right now uh, in any part in the California area. But we also have the same manufacturer as different divisions around the country. Uh, so if you had a big plot of land and you were all in place and ready to go, and you had your licenses in place and you were waiting on the county or the city to provide you with the power to power up, you wouldn't have to worry about that with our model. We could actually line, line you up almost like in the same way where if they're building a school um, and they bring on the, uh, the mobile classrooms, it's the same thing. So we bring out these, these mobile grow houses essentially where you're still producing the same uh, quality cannabis that you were producing in the warehouse, but now you're utilizing the power of the sun to be able to do that uh, at a very cost-effective rate compared to what your build-out's going to be. Cool. Yeah, you know, and I think it's amazing that, you know, it seems like even just a few years ago, maybe, if you would have approached a, a major company, that, that they would be yeah. like, marijuana grow, no way, but it's to think that there's a mobile home company that's like, yeah, we'll do that. Yeah, we'll do it. That's, that's shows how far I think we've come in exactly. just the past several years. Exactly. So we can, we can literally line up, you know, 60 grow rooms on your property in 30 days and have you up and running from that standpoint. So 
it's pretty it's pretty amazing when you think about it and, and, and each trailer actually only needs about 40 amps to operate which is very small uh, when you're talking about uh, cannabis production because a typical you know 1400 square foot warehouse is probably using 400 amps for the power so they come preloaded with uh, with ventilation with all the electrical everything air electrical um, uh, fans uh, and we can go all the way up through tables we can do automated watering we can do an automated blackout system so it it's like a tiered kind of system where yeah. you can you know pick your pick and choose your what exactly. options you want exactly so if you wanted you know the, the, the full complete trailer uh, soup to nuts basically with with you know the, the state-of-the-art Grunfos pumps that are allowing automated watering, uh, automated blackout system, timers, um, fans, uh, flow-through ventilation, uh, air conditioning, heat. You could get away with that for around 100 grand. So and you're going to make that back so you're quick. Gonna, you're going to make yeah. The, each each trailer produces about 1.2 million in medical cannabis per year, and that doesn't even factor in the uh, the trim. We never even factored that in. So we, right. you know, it's such a, a volatile market right now, but somebody who has the, the, the trim down uh, could, you know, potentially do pretty well. Amazing. Tell, tell me a little about yourself, about your background. When, when, how did you get involved in cannabis and how long have you been growing? <clears throat> so here's the funny part. I'm actually allergic to cannabis, so I can't even smoke it. But uh, I'm really interested in the CDB properties of it and the CDM properties. Uh, the THC aspect doesn't work for me. I, I projectile vomit, which is lame, I know. And it doesn't happen to everybody, but it, I'm not everybody and it happens to me. So I, I was a touring musician uh, for the majority of my life, uh, playing with different bands, things along those lines. Um, so I was around it all the time. But I, but I always thought, like, like everybody else thinks, that it's illegal. You know, you can't do it. It's illegal. Um... So I was very hesitant about moving in this direction. Very hesitant. I was scared, you know, like, what, what, what could happen? You know, I don't want to end up in prison, and I'm not that kind of pioneer, you know? Hmm. So I landed in it uh, by chance because uh, my partner in this endeavor uh, had a fire in a Huntington Beach warehouse. So him bringing the plants out here uh, to, to make sure, or, you know, to just try it, just do a run, and, and that's how I landed. And I've been in it now for uh, two years. I, I don't consider myself a master cultivator. I consider myself more of an innovator when it comes to, okay, I'm not going to reinvent the wheel with a master cultivator, but what I would like to do is make their job easier and more cost-effective. Cool. So what, what, uh, you were a musician. What, what type of music and what was your band? I've been in a, a couple different bands. Uh, one, of the, uh, one of the more uh, prominent ones was... Uh, a group called the Ditch Bank Okies, which is uh, now becoming an animated series where I, I hooked up with a lot of the guys from the King of the Hill, a guy named Johnny Hardwick, who voiced uh, the uh, who voiced Dale on King of the Hill, uh, Pamela Alden, who voiced Bobby, uh, Mike Judge is actually going to play a character on the show. Uh, it's a it's an animated uh, spaghetti western that takes place post-World War III. So it's actually in 2029, and uh, the United States looks a lot different hmm. than it does now. So you have occupied zones of, of different countries. So say like California, Arizona, and New Mexico are now China. 
and you have the Great Wall of America, which is filled with Chinese outlet all the way along us so that we can provide you with the very best shopping. Mm-hmm. We have Texas, which is an Arab nation, North and South Dakota, which is now North Korea. And then you have the Russians who basically overtook the cannabis market. So they took uh, Alaska, they took uh, Washington, they took Colorado, and they took Oregon. You explained the whole breakdown of the country and talk about the characters. The, the, the characters we have, uh, uh, myself, I'm playing the main character, his name's Ditch. Uh, and Ditch has a twin brother named Stitch who is taken, and that whole concept is based off of the John Wayne movie, The Searchers. So we, we don't absolutely know who he was taken by, so the whole adventure for the show, which is kind of like a Game of Thrones meets Red Dawn, is is to go through these different occupied territories searching for his twin brother. Um, so we have Tommy Chong, and I know he's on this uh, network, and he's agreed uh, to play a part for us. Um, in that, we have um, uh, Mike Judge, who has agreed to play himself on the show. A lot of the people will be playing themselves on the show. Uh, at a later time, though, like in 2029, uh, we have uh, Johnny Hardwick, who played the voice Dale on King of the Hill. We have Toby Huss, who's playing uh, Bobby, which is their manager. And he's currently on Halt and Catch Fire, and he played Con Sr. on uh, King of the Hill. Um, we have Stephen Root, who's on... Um, the name of that Amazon show. I watch it too. I can't remember at this point in time. Uh, so we, we have an action pack. Uh, Kevin Booth is going to be on the show uh, playing a documentary filmmaker, which is kind of what he does in real life, which is pretty cool. And uh, we've talked to a few people like Jonathan Davies, Corn, uh, who hopefully will be playing himself on the show. So it, basically... There's the whole concept of, of the animated show, which we'll be pitching this month to different networks and hopefully get picked up. And then any of the acts uh, uh, in the world that actually end up on the show will probably end up getting maimed or killed in some way. <laughs> but they will also join us at the end for the Trailer Metal Festival, which will be like 30 different cities in the United States, a big tour of not only the Disney Gogies play it, which they star in the show, but also the different acts that were either blown up or killed or maimed in some way on the show will be on the tour as well. So it's a pretty cool uh, concept, and uh, people really like it. We're excited about it. We're looking forward to making it. Um, is there weed in the show? Yeah. Uh. Actually, the drummer, is a uh, his name's Riff Raff, and he is a uh, expert cannabis cultivator. And they actually have a room set up within their tour bus that they use to supplement their income by growing weed and selling weed within the show as well. So... But there'll be occupied zones and, uh, you know, different spins on different politicians that exist nowadays that are, you know, anti-cannabis or uh, things along those lines where we, we really want to try to make a statement that says, you know, since I've been kind of milling around this industry, and I wouldn't necessarily say that I'm in this industry because I'm not in it like, you know, like people are. Uh, I'm trying to uh, service the industry, so to speak. Um there's a lot of good people, you know, and, and, and they're not criminals and they're just their family people who are trying to, you know, feed their family and provide clean medicine for people. Um, at least that's, that's what I found. Uh, and I, and I would like to be able to try to bring that, uh, light to attention 
when it comes to, to dealing with this, you know, uh, stigma that comes along with cannabis. So I've seen it really help people. I mean, I really have. I, I've seen it. And, and, you know, I was a close-minded to it, too, I would say, just even a couple of years ago. Like, oh, no, that's probably not. But then, you know, being in the industry, uh, as little as I am, and, 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 and moving through it and, and noticing that, uh, you know, you've got cancer patients out there suffering, you've got HIV patients out there suffering, you've got people who are taking so many pharmaceuticals that cannabis could really help, but yet the legalities of it because of the at least as far as I know, it dates back to kind of the Hearst family where yeah. they had the timber mills and they wanted to make paper and they saw it as a threat, so they outlawed it. And the fact that we sit here in 2017 and you still could get in trouble for growing a plant, you know, in your yard, is just ridiculous. Right, and Hearst launched his yellow journalism campaign yeah. against it in all his papers and his son-in-law was Harry Anslinger, right. who was the head of the... Exactly. The Drug uh, Narcotics Bureau, which is uh, just was so convenient. Yeah, it's very convenient. <laughs> and you start to see that that's the way it works in America. And it's kind of scary, yeah, and it know? still does work that way. And that's you what know? the show's going to be based on a lot, too. So we're going to really be trying to tackle those issues in a comedic light, obviously. Yeah. But uh, showing how ridiculous... Uh, some of the some of the things that we live under actually are prohibition mentality. Yeah, yeah. And uh, so, is the the show is obviously your concept? Do you do you do you write it? Is it or do you? Yeah, I, well, I came I came up with the characters. I came up with the music. I came up with the, Johnny and I came up with this concept of the show. Um, and Johnny will be the showrunner along with his friend J.B. Cook, who uh, used to write for My Name Is Earl. He wrote for King of the Hill. He's done several different TV cool. shows. Then we have a head animator named Randy. Uh, Kubazak, who uh, is just a phenomenal artist. So in, in that aspect, they've kind of taken the ball and run with it. And and hopefully, you know, their uh, their contribution to the show can get a network to take it serious. Cool. And what's your, what's your target for when you're hoping to get it out there on the air or wherever? Well, it would be nine months from when we, um, from after this month. So it'd probably debut in 2018. Cool. Which would be fantastic, you know. But right now I have a, um, I also play with uh, Steve Ferroni, who's a drummer for Tom Petty and Heartbreakers. Oh. Uh, another guy by the name of Abel Barrio Sr., who is like this phenomenal bass player. He's played on over 3,000 recordings, Michael Jackson, Don Elton John. Another guy by the name of Russ Irwin, who was in Aerosmith for 20 years. He's the only guy I've known that actually played uh, for Sting and Aerosmith <laughs> in the Super Bowl. So he played wow. for one and then they golf carted him a lot and played for the other. So I have that that album. Uh, I don't even know if you call them albums anymore. That recording <laughs> should be coming out next month. It should be, uh, you know, it's a it's a different style of music. It's more based upon my emotional experiences in life as opposed to DBO. DBO is a uh, a band that makes fun of uh, ridiculous scenarios. So that's kind of the whole model behind it. We find things that are wrong with America and we pick on it. <laughs> so. It's, there's a lot of material there, especially especially in Trumplandia now. That's interesting, you know. I, I just I, I, I hate politics, so I hate playing politics. I hate watching politics. I, but now as I get older, I find myself involved in politics, which is, you know, not where I ever thought I wanted to be. You know, I think it was a mistake that he picked Jeff Sessions to be his. Uh, you know, legal guy. Um, I think there was much more uh, qualified people out there to do it. Uh, he hasn't done very well at picking 
very many. He hasn't done well doing much of anything, in my opinion. But uh, that's my opinion. Yeah, but. yeah, yeah. <clears throat> I, like I said, I don't know. I mean, I if I could, I can drive myself crazy with that. You know, trying to, <laughs> trying to control the outcome of what no, we're in America. Yeah. But I, all I can do is make fun of it. So in in the show, what what brought about the uh, World War Three, the the uh, apocalyptic scenario? It wasn't Trump, right? <laughs> I would say definitely nuclear weapons and the drugs. I love the smell of come in the morning. This American carnage stops right here and stops right now for a safe and secure society so this is how liberty dies with thunderous applause thank you we love you thank you very much No, well, I think it has a lot to do with just where we are right now. You know, I think a lot of people are scared. I think a lot of people are concerned about not only Trump, but, you know, McCain and and Boxer and Pelosi and uh, just all these crazy people who aren't really representing the people, you know. Um, and I think that it's, it's a perfect, uh, D.C. is a perfect melting pot right now of just these completely whacked out people who only have uh, the top-tier corporation's best interests at heart. And until we change that, I don't know that there will ever be a change in this country. Now, I don't know what it's going to take to change that. you got to get the money out of politics. Yeah, because I'm not willing to go out there with an AR-15 and start fighting. I can tell you that much <laughs> right now, you know? Like, I, I'm not willing to do that at this point in the game. Um, and I hope that, uh, that, you know, we don't have to come to that. But, yeah, you got to take the money out of politics. That's, that's the bottom line. So if I go get a political job and I do it for four years and, and then I have, you know, that salary basically for the rest of my life, how is that fair to a taxpayer? You know, if yeah. you lose a job in the private sector, you're out, right? So, yeah. but if you do, you know, a six-year term as a senator or a four-year term as a president, you get that salary for the rest of your life. And health care and, and, yeah. and, and everything else. And you laws, you know? Yeah, and your daughter can smoke pot at Coachella, and everything's fine. You know, and you get a job with a lobbying firm, a cushy job, and you know exactly. Yeah, so it's crazy. Yeah, it'll yeah. be a very political show. Uh, I don't want to say that it's gonna it's gonna lean left or it's gonna lean right, because what we're trying to do is uh, bring uh, bring the light of the ridiculousness of the situations to light. You know, I understand why the people voted Trump in because it's like a big fuck you to the world. Whether he was the right guy or not, I don't know. Yeah. I don't know. How did you? Uh, how did you and Kevin Booth become uh, friends? Connected? I met Kevin through uh, Johnny Hardwick. Actually, they've known each other for a very long time, and, and Kevin has a, a company that he's working on that uh, I'm really interested in being involved in as well. And, and we've talked about uh, them actually taking the reins on the trailer company, um, and then getting them out there and. Uh, just through through that and, and through kind of this industry and just talking, we realized we had a lot in common from that standpoint. And uh, hopefully uh, he can become a much greater contributor to 
you know, both aspects of businesses that are going on here. The, the trailer models, which is uh, the one that we looked at is actually called uh, the MAX. And uh, the MAX is the, the Mobile Automated Cultivation System. So it's kind of like an acronym for it. Yeah, cool. M-A-X. Which would allow you, uh, and what, what we would suggest is that you would buy basically four trailers. You would use one for veg and then you use the other three to flower so that you're constantly coming down. And, and if you're a, a smaller operation, you could you can manage it where, where you're coming down every three weeks in the one so that you're constantly, you know, moving product and going like that. That's, um, that's how I met Kevin. And uh, he's a great guy. You know, we have some good laughs. And uh, I want to be involved with his company. He wants to be involved with mine. So hopefully, we can have a you know a mutually beneficial uh, rebellion of hmm. uh, of the ridiculousness of what we call the United States. Yeah, right on. Well, we're just about out of time. But before we go, do you want to let everyone know where they can find you online? And you can reach us at uh, trailerm.com on that aspect. And if you want to uh, check out to see what the uh, animated series is about, you can find that on okay. the Facebook Trailer Metal, or you can go to trailermetal.com. Check that out as well. Cool. That's awesome. Well, thanks, Scott. Um, thanks for talking to us today. Uh, really appreciate it. I'm excited to see uh, the trailers uh, in action. I'm excited to check out the show. Yeah, thanks, man. I really appreciate you coming out. And that concludes our interview segment for this week. Once again, I apologize for the spotty audio in some spots. Uh, that's kind of what happens when you're on location in a grow room sometimes. But um, if you'd like to get a better idea of what it is Scott and I were talking about, I will be posting video of the interview on my YouTube page, and there will be a link to it on our Facebook page, facebook.com slash blazingwithbobbyblack. There you will also find links to all of Scott's projects that we discussed. While you're there, give us a like, leave us some feedback, and don't forget to follow me on social media, Twitter at Bobby Black, Instagram and Facebook at Bobby Black 420. That's going to wrap it up for this week's edition of Blazin'. As always, thanks for tuning in and toking up with us again this week. Until next time, this is Bobby Black saying, blaze on and peace off. The opinions expressed on this CannabisRadio.com program are those of the guests and hosts and do not necessarily reflect those of the staff and management of CannabisRadio.com. Any rebroadcast or redistribution without proper consent of CannabisRadio.com is prohibited.